Welcome to Business Works. This is Hal Alpiar along with Johnny Stites, and we are going to talk with you today about attracting quality employees. We're following up on some of what we discussed in the last show, so we hope that you will have your notepad out and maybe want to jot down a couple of ideas for yourself that relate to your business or professional practice. Johnny, you want to start us out with how we attract applicants to a small business who are qualified, or how do we get the right people? Well, it's a, it's a difficult issue because so often the things that we do actually do not attract the kind of people that we really need for the business. So it's important that we understand the quality of people that we need in our business. Right now, I know this, the number one issue facing small business people all across the nation and here in Cookville. Just yesterday, I was talking to a guy in the construction industry, and his issue was, I can't find the right people. They're just not out there. And I said, well, what are you doing to uh, to attract them? And he was basically doing nothing. He's was, waiting. Is this because there's such an overflow of, of people available right now with the job market the way it is and everything, do you think? or No, it's like- because there's not that many people. There's... Uh, there's such low unemployment. There's just uh-huh. not people out there in the wings. And whereas when I there was a time in my career when you could just sit back and you'd have ten people a day walking in your office asking for a job, you can, you don't have that today because many people have opted out of the market, out of the workforce, I should say. And there's those who are in the market who are doing drugs, which eliminates them from most businesses. There are people who have alcohol problems, and that eliminates them from some businesses. So you just have these issues that are taking many otherwise qualified people out of the market, and you just have to you have to make certain that when people say, I think I'll go look for a job, that your company is one of the ones they consider. Well, one of the things I've noticed is employment agencies seem busier, and I, you know, I, I don't know if it's coming from – I think there's certainly some change in the market that's bringing older people, the seniors and retired people, back into the business world. Maybe that's what's uh, prompting that. But I, I hear what you're saying. And um, so, how do we attract them? How do how do we get the right people in? Well, one thing I think is understanding the market, because to your point earlier, I do think that there is. That there are older people coming back into the market because they're realizing it's going to take more money than what I thought to retire and to live out the rest of my life. And they have figured out, as most have, that you can't depend on Social Security. And they're, for, and they're generally more willing to work uh, at lower rates. For, for, uh, they are. They're happy to have something to keep busy with as well. Right. They have some so. security and Social Security and savings for over the years. But they don't have enough to live, so they can just earn something, a minimum wage even will give them money to buy their groceries and a few things like that. If I could sidetrack just for a minute because you mentioned something there about uh, savings over the years. Um, you know, we are looking at a um, a major new area of proposal coming out of Congress that will encourage – small business owners to be able to have the equivalent of what the large companies offer as a 401k. So this is a, this is a new thing for a retirement direction to be able to provide 
you know, some revenue uh, stream areas or something for people in small business. That's not, never happened before. So this and, is a, and I understand the law is going to say that when you join a company, you're automatically opted in unless you opt out. Right. Today, it's you must opt in. Right. And you're automatically opted out. So right, it's the right. opposite. And I think, too, the second uh, group of people are millennials. They're not staying at their jobs very long. The yeah, idea you got right you, back into this, didn't you? I was just going to help <laughs> suggest that, but you're right on top of it. Good. Please go so ahead. So millennials are much more likely to spend two years right. uh, with a company and go to a different job. Their thinking is much different than the older people who uh, might spend 20 or 30 or 40 years with a company. What what kinds of things would attract uh, the, the, the so-called millennial or younger demographic group? I think a lot of their uh, struggles are with the notion that they want more money and they want it faster. They have been in that generation that's never seen hard times ever. And so they don't know what that looks like. And so they expect they have higher expectations. And I'm not saying they shouldn't. I think we should expect to have good times and work toward that and be happy when we have it. But I do think that... uh their expectations of life is much more uh, positive and much more uh, without fear than uh, other uh, generations have and, had. And without constraints is, is the other part of that yeah. I see because I, uh, so many are working in remote situations where they they don't have the walls. They don't have the office settings that that we were indoctrinated with when we were younger and they are thinking more freely. And I think that a, a lot of that probably comes from the tech generation, you know, the tech uh, developments that have happened over recent years. When I was with the state, they had a program that was just initiated uh, out of the office where I worked. And that program was to bring uh, – a program into the state called uh, it was work at home or they were changing the way people had to come in. Why should somebody uh, who is a bank examiner, for instance, have to come into an office in Nashville and then turn around and drive out to the bank he's going to do the examining of? Uh, See, they allowed people to work from home and then go into the office only on those occasions when they needed to have face-to-face uh, collaboration. So more flexibility in, what, in yeah. what's offered. Is and the important. state actually designed their office furniture so you could have temporary uh, furniture for people to come and use right. when they came to their uh, state offices. Otherwise, they would be at home. We find that most, particularly the younger people and the older people, so we'll take the two outside edges, they seem to love working closer to home or at home when that's possible. And it's a little more desirable for them. They don't have to uh, be traveling and commuting back and forth as much uh, as maybe what we're used to. And I think workplace environment is also another uh, issue for people who are younger. They have workplace uh, issues. They want to be certain that they've got the pool table if they can or ping pong table or things that they can enjoy and recreate with. You see that in some of the larger firms. But in small business, if you have somebody working from home, you better have your your stuff together to make sure that they are 
actually producing for you. Okay. Well, having your stuff together, we're going to take a little break on that and come back to you in a minute. Uh, we hope that you'll stay tuned. This is Hal and Johnny. Welcome back to BusinessWorks. This is Hal and Johnny. We were talking about different ways of attracting quality applicants for small business and professional practice development so that you are hiring employees who will really get interested in what you're doing and and want to help and develop the business with you. That's a pretty hard thing to find these days, we think. But on the other hand, if you're if you're presenting the situation in the proper ways, it it may be a lot easier. So here's some suggestions that we've thought about. Johnny, you want to hit on a couple of these? We we did talk about uh, as we left for the break, uh, working closer to home, right. for seniors and and millennials. But what's the rest of this look? Hell, like? I I made this mistake, and I think a lot of small business people do that. You you believe that people are interested in money, and that's number one on their list. You pay them as much as you can. While it is important to pay people so they can provide for their families and provide for food, clothing, shelter, in the Gallup poll, money was number six in what people are trying to get out of their jobs. Number one always is recognition and appreciation. As small business people, we don't have big staffs, and I think we don't take the time and use our resources to recognize and appreciate people who are in the business with us and who are contributing to our success. And one of the reasons that I didn't, and I think other business owners do this when they're smaller, every time I would say to somebody, man, that was a great job. You did a wonderful job. They would then say, well, how about a raise? <laughs> and, of course. And the reason they did that was because I didn't have in place a specific way that they could see that their performance tied to their income. Right. So it kept me from recognizing and appreciating them, and it kept them from uh, – it It ensured that every time we tried to do something, they ended up asking for more money. So I think it's important to provide a the right kind of environment for them, and I think that's what makes the culture of your workplace – so, so important. When people enjoy who they're working with, when they're enjoying the environment that they're working in, they will be much more successful as an employee and help you be more successful as a company. Well, we are going to be talking in the next show about rewards that work require that work requires bosses to use who are really tuned in. And so that's a that's another whole subject altogether. We will get into the details of that about recognition and appreciation and all those sorts of things that, that make a difference. But in the, the beginning, I think one of the things that I've seen is the hardest is to hire that very first employee. When you're a small business and you've been working in your garage or the kitchen table and you're ready to maybe at a little office space or to have put a person out on the road working to help you sell or whatever that may the, the the dynamics may be that that's the hardest first step to take is to how do you put together enough money to hire someone a first employee when you're having problems putting food on the table and and you're struggling through getting the business off the ground but you know you need help and I think that's pro that's a little uh, conundrum that people get caught up in that, 
and it makes life a little difficult <laughs> for a new business owner. So uh, we we will have some thoughts about that in the next show, but I don't know that we have any magic answers to it right now. Um, Johnny, you have a thought. I don't know if you were around for the first employee, but <laughs> maybe had, the, the first uh, expansion. Uh, we had five employees when I joined the company, right. and I feel like uh, it's important for people to understand that when you start having employees, you run into the midst of tons of regulatory requirements, and you can get upside down with the government pretty darn quick if you aren't careful. And make sure that everything you're doing is done by the book. Thank you. That's a very important point. And yeah. it's important, I think, to even if you have one or two employees, you may want to get one of these uh, employment softwares or the, I'll get somebody off the uh, web that can help you organize it and who will make sure you don't run afoul of the regulations. Right. right. With the, and some of them charged by the employee. And that's a good thing because then if you have one, they're going to charge you much, much less than uh, if you have 10. Right. So that's a good way to start. Where, where would we find things like that? How do you? You go on the Internet. You can find all kinds of companies. They're all, they're, they're all the time on Fox News. Uh, yeah, I think I've heard a, lot, a number of accounting firms that offer those kinds of services too. There so, are some. Yeah. Uh, the It's just important that you have somebody who understands because that law changes all the time. Right. Right. The regulations change all the time, and you've got to post this form and that form, and you've got to make people aware of this or that right, and it's just exceedingly bad. And if you don't do it, you're going to get yourself in trouble because first uh, employee that you fire for cause is going to come back on you with some of these issues. Right. So what, and you're going to lose. Ways, yeah, go ahead. You're going to lose because when you're not prepared and you don't have your paperwork right, You'll lose every time, whether it's unemployment compensation, whether you're dealing with uh, a maternity leave. There's a lot of issues there that are that are really important to deal with correctly so that you don't jeopardize your business just because you didn't have the knowledge you should have had. Well, in attracting applicants to your small business by how you present your business to them makes a big difference. So by selling applicants on the meaning and the impact of their work, by the meaning and the impact of your business, by the need for their building relationships with customers and really outlining many of the things that are not cut and dried, but explaining kind of what it is that motivated you to start your business in the first place and get them to feel that with you and understand how important it is at this particular juncture in the business life to make things go forward. Yeah, I think people can get more excited about a vision than they can about uh, dollars and cents and structures and all of that. I think it's really important that we, when we hire people, we cast a vision and we do a good job of explaining to them what our expectations will be. Okay, so it's a... In the, in the interest of vision, we're going to take a, a quick break and come back to you in a minute. Welcome back. Johnny, you wanted to finish up on a couple of points there? Well, Hal, one of the things that I learned when I was trying to grow our business, uh, we went from five up to 125. One of the things I learned in that process is how important it is to advertise correctly. 
I used to try to make my business sound so important and so big and so wonderful. And when I'd put it out on the monster.com or one of the websites, I would get hundreds of applications. It taught me that I need to be telling people why they shouldn't come to my business and try to attract the very people I wanted by saying what I what I was looking for and what I was not looking for. So I might say, if you're expecting to live in a big city and work for a big company, don't apply here because that's not who we are. If you're expecting to uh, come here and uh, and grow into management or ownership, I should say, then this is not the place. We were a family-owned business, and so it didn't matter how good you were. You weren't going to come in and own part of the business. So I started putting in the ad characteristics and attributes of people that I didn't want. And fortunately, the people who were really looking for the small town, the small business, interested in finding a good job in a great culture, they were the ones that applied, the ones who were looking for that big splash, Mm -hmm. they didn't apply. Well, this fits in with the whole uh, idea of attracting more applicants to your business really starts with understanding exactly what it is that you have to offer. And it's explaining the roots of what your business is about to someone. And if they balk at that, then, you know, you're not interested. That's not – you've got to stick to your gun, so to speak, uh, about – the type of person you're looking for, because if you don't, you're going to suffer for it later. Um, and I think when we're smaller, Hal, one of the things we fall victim to is we start apologizing for our size. Right. And right. and we shouldn't. I mean, right. every company starts out small. Yep. Nobody starts out with a 1,000 employees or 100 employees. We all start small. We grow the business. We sell business. We buy business. We do what we have to to grow it. But we don't get successful overnight, no business. So it's okay to be small, just do the right things, and you'll grow into a larger uh, category because you are doing the right things. Right. Well, one, you know, and one of the lures, so to speak, that we've heard uh, some business owners offer when they are looking for their first employee or for the first group of employees is to offer ownership shares. And that can be very enticing for an applicant, but <laughs> you need to make a, the job role that you are looking to fill performance-based so that it's encouraging to them to earn that. And and you may not want to give up ownership shares, but some people do, and that's – and sometimes that's the only way they can – afford to get somebody to get started. And I would never do that in the application phase because you don't know. You may get somebody involved in your company that you really regret right. having done that because Had once that you happen. get to know them. <laughs> and, and to me, it would be terrible to try to unwind that to, to get them out of ownership. It's going to be a hard, hard thing and very expensive for you. So just be slow to bring somebody in and give them ownership. There is a time for that. Uh, there is a time to move it to the next generation. I did that with my son. You could do that with somebody who's not your son. But I did it in a very progressive way. I did it in in a very uh, planned way. And he was uh, happy to have the, the stock as he was able to get more of it. But he didn't expect it. 
the day he got there. Right. And neither should any other employee. So um, we have to be careful. And I've heard many stories over the years of business owners who have hired someone that they should not have and ended up uh, consequently down the road in the middle of some lawsuit or, you know, things can turn around quickly and – um, and so the decision-making on the front end is really critical, and you have to be very critical in the process of it. And, Hal, I think sometimes business owners, when they see someone, they think, oh, this has got to be the perfect employee, the be-all, the end-all. I've been looking for him for her forever, and I just have to get this employee. They sometimes give up things they shouldn't. Well, we got to we keep remembering that when you're growing a business, you're also growing weeds, yeah. <laughs> it's just like a garden. Uh, beware the temptation to charge full steam ahead because pursuing more business or professional practice growth um, means that you probably will be pulling weeds before you move any place forward with it. You, you're going to need to make elbow room uh, for anyone new coming in. And no matter how clear things might appear – Above ground, remember that weeds have roots below ground and that they get consuming. So where do you start? Well, you could pull harder on the weeds, (laughs) but probably the odds are good if you want to really get started with this to to put some goals together. And and the rule of thumb on these, and you may want to jot this down, these are the ingredients of goals that work that they are, one, specific, two, they are realistic, three, they are flexible, got to be able to change them as you go, and four, they are due-dated. You have to have a deadline attached to them or or you don't have a goal. And last, they put it in writing because it's it's not the same as punching it into your cell phone or a computer. When you put it in writing physiologically, it's a it's a stronger commitment, and uh, we can explain that some other time. But goals are not in concrete; they are not goal posts on a football field. Uh, you've got to be flexible enough to move them as time moves along, because other things come in to play that affect them. And so, as long as you are staying flexible and being realistic with your thinking about it. You can write goals down every day on a backside of an envelope, stick it in your pocket, take it out, change it. To whatever works. It doesn't have to be in, engraved in stone. Well, as long as this, the changing of the goal is not so you won't miss it, I agree with right. that. Okay. Well, good. I'm glad we agree okay. on something. That's nice. <laughs> All right. I want to just quick mention that if you have any questions or suggestions – Please email them to hal at businessworks.us, and Johnny and I will both see them, and we'll bring them up and talk about them on the show. So thank you for being with us today, and we wish you well with attracting quality employees. Tune in next time for keeping and managing quality employees and how to do that.